0: making people's lives better.
2: Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things
1: Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. So this is called a shape-matching task. In this exercise, what you have to do is match six pairs of shapes, all of which are hidden by tiles... That's part of a test that can help you figure out if you're aging
2: normally or if you should see a doctor about your memory. Baycrest is developing this as an online tool with the help of hundreds of volunteers from CARP, A New Vision of Aging. I'll tell you more a little later on. Also on today's show, I'll speak with the famous celebrity fashion photographer Ellen Von Unworth. She's perhaps best known for discovering supermodel Claudia Schiffer. Her photography frequently explores the erotic feminine form, and her work is currently on display right here in Toronto. And legendary Canadian singer songwriter Gordon Lightfoot was in our studios this week. He spoke to our Robbie Lane about his new recording, his greatest hits, and how he bounced back from his illness. We'll hear that conversation coming up. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's one of the most hopeful signs in the U.S. economy. The American auto industry is on the rise again, and it turns out Zoomers are making most of those new car purchases. According to J.D. Power & Associates, the 50-plus demographic fuels 63.2% of U.S. car sales. That's a big climb from 39%, Back in 2001. There are also signs that boomers are going green. The same 50 plus crowd accounts for 72 percent of all Hyundai Sonata hybrid purchases, 69 percent of Honda Civic hybrids, 66 percent of Toyota Prius sales, and 68 percent of Ford Fusion hybrid cars. Jim Marker, the inventor of the popular snack food Cheesies, passed away at home this week at the age of 90. His famous invention came by accident in 1940 when, as a farmer, he was looking for a way to preserve corn to feed his cattle. A Chicago-based confectioner, W.T. Hawkins, got wind of Marker's invention and convinced him to turn it into a snack food. It wasn't long before the two relocated their company to eastern Ontario and established Cheezies as a popular Canadian snack. Jim Marker was also an avid pilot. He established the Belleville Airport in 1961 and used it as the home base for his own Apache airplane. And speaking of taking flight, a British centenarian has fought back to reclaim her title as the world's oldest paraglider. Peggy McAlpine's title was taken away from her earlier this year when Mary Allen Hardison, a 101-year-old great-grandmother from Utah, went on her own paragliding adventure. This convinced Peggy McAlpine, now 104 years old, to take to the skies again. She performed a tandem paraglide off a 2,400-foot cliff and recaptured the record. Afterwards, she said she'd definitely like to do it again, especially if anyone else takes the record. And finally, an Australian Zoomer mining mogul might be tempting fate. Clive Palmer has commissioned a Chinese company to build a 21st century version of the Titanic. The plan is for the vessel to be as similar as possible to the original Titanic, but with modern technology.
3: The ship will be constructed, other than from the technology, the bow line, uh, on the same plans as the original ship as far as layouts go, room decor and finish.
2: The ship is set to sail in 2016. When asked if his Titanic would be sinkable, Clive Palmer said, of course it'll sink if you put a hole in it. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Legendary singer-songwriter Gordon Lightfoot has just released his first album in over eight years. It's called All Live, and it's a compilation of various performances at Toronto's Massey Hall from 1998 to 2001, the period just before he faced a near-fatal abdominal aneurysm that put him into a six-week coma. He's made a triumphant recovery and was in our studios this week to talk about it with the new AM740's Robbie Lane.
4: This CD, these 19 tracks on here, these were all recorded live at Massey Hall.
3: Yeah, in uh, nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine, and two thousand and one. Okay. So I had done that for practice. Really, we were getting ready to uh, videotape a concert out in Reno, and we were preparing to do that and using the Massey Hall performances as a as something to listen to. Yeah, uh, to check our uh, tempos and that sort of thing, and and it, all that stuff came out well. And I said, well, fine, we'll put it aside and, and perhaps someday, maybe somewhere down the line or posthumously or after I'm pushing up Daisy's or something like that, it'll <laughs> come out. And uh, then all of a sudden I was down with an illness that had me out for two full years. And uh, during the recovery of that, I worked on the post-production of original, uh, my last original album and uh, and then got back to thinking about this stuff for Massey Hall again. And I tried to go in and do it a couple more times a couple more engagements there and we would do like, like about three concerts there three or four concerts at a time so I had lots of material but the voice had lost some of its timbre after the illness so I searched back into the very first time that we tried to do it which was in 1998 and the stuff sounded great and it's got the full vocal so yeah. yeah. I said let's get it and let's get it out there and I had it ready to go so we'd get it <laughs> You could remember, in, thoughts could like
4: some of the songs on here, Carefree Highway Sundown, the song that really broke it for you. Uh, In terms internationally, was that Sundown? Would that be? Uh, If you could read my mind. If you could read my mind. Was that an international hit? Yes, it was. Okay, Sundown was was bigger than. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. I I seem to think uh, along those lines. And then, of course, after that, everything that you uh, released was uh, a major hit for you because everyone in the world knew who you were.
3: We had follow-ups that 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 did very well. Yeah. But the the big one really was the the wreck of the Emma Fitzgerald. sort of kept me going. It, it's like I uh, I feel it's this responsibility that, that goes with that. That big ship and true was When the girls of November gave her The ship was the pride of the American side Coming back from Sondell in Wisconsin as the big freighters go, it was bigger than most With the growing good captain, well,
4: I read the story about how this song came to be and uh, I, would, I, I would really like it if you would just uh, quickly go through that when I think you were at home looking out the window when there was kind of a high wind or something.
3: The wind from the, the lakes was making it all the way through to Toronto that night. Yeah. About 11 o'clock, I saw it on the news, and I, I kind of forgot about it, and then a couple of weeks later, say a week and a half later, I saw an article in Newsweek magazine, about a column and a half long, and I immediately said, well, they're going to forget all about this one really quick, and uh, decided to do it because I had a melody and some chords that made sense, and uh, I just took it uh, into chronological order. Right. So so, uh, uh, I went and then I got the newspapers and got, and got more details. We used to have to go and get back copies then because that was pre, pre internet, uh, pre internet yeah. and all that stuff. And uh, and got a good fix on exactly sort of what happened, and uh, e- even what some of the causes uh, might have been and and one thing or another. And and had a little conjecture in the middle mid verse of yes. uh, something about hatch covers, which later came back to haunt us all because. <laughs> So some of the, the relatives took exception to that because their men were involved in uh, as deckhands, and I had to sort that one out with the ladies' committee up in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, we did that, and I changed the lyrics, and now every time we play it on stage, I do it with the new words, and the new words are, at 7 p.m., it grew dark. It was then he said, fellas, it's been good time.
4: When you had your uh, health issues, which would have been, I guess, 10 years ago, Yeah. Um, At that point, I read in an interview that you said, I didn't know whether I was going to live, whether there would be a tomorrow or what to do now. And I wonder if that changed the way you look at things. I mean, are things more important, the little daily things more important than ever?
3: Yes, they are. Um, You know, I've I've always been uh, uh, pretty responsible to my family. Yes. I use that in plural. And uh, and got much more involved with them of following that for one thing, you know I I, I was just determined not to uh, to let it stop me because I, I just really uh, wanted to, to fight my way back. But there was a, a time when when I did wonder if I would sing again. I, um, I came out of it to, you know very deaf for the first six weeks. I was unconscious and during that time I didn't move and and muscle atrophication began yes. and, and uh, it affected the, the tiny muscles in my middle ear and for so for five or six months I, uh, I couldn't uh, I could hear the uh, incoming but I couldn't hear the outgoing. Oh boy. And it gradually it cleared itself up and uh, you know I get out there doing it and the uh, the next thing I knew we were we were back on stage. So-
2: Lightfoot's new album, All Live, on iTunes and in your local record shop. I'm Libby's Neimer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review.
1: You're going to see some people's faces, one at a time, with the name written below them. And the goal for this particular task is that you try to remember the name that goes with the face.
2: (laughs) That's something that I'm not very good at. That's Baycrest's Dr. Jillian Rowe explaining one of the tasks in an online test she's developing to help people figure out if they have a serious memory problem. Coming up in just a moment, I'll tell you about this revolutionary diagnostic tool.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better.
2: It's one of the biggest problems in treating cognitive decline. Because of the stigma, most people wait too long before they seek help. The Baycrest Brain Health Center is working on a new way to help people know when it's time to see a doctor for their memory. It's an online self-test you can do in the privacy of your own home. I tried a few of the tasks that lead investigator Dr. Jillian Rowe is developing with the help of hundreds of volunteers from CARP, A New Vision of Aging.
1: Well, wow, we had this amazing, overwhelming response from CARP, which gave us 1,100 participants, and we actually need probably three to 400, but for all of the other participants, they're going to be incredibly useful in other ways for us, so we're hoping that they'll agree to help out in different ways. The real challenge is to make sure that these tasks just don't work individually on their own, they work as a battery, so we want to be able to make sure that people go through maybe half a dozen tasks, and they're all complementing each other. I tried a bit of the test myself. You're going to see some people's faces yeah. one at a time with the name written below them. And the goal for this particular task is that you try to remember the name that goes with <laughs> the face. That's something that I'm not very good at. So now you're going to see all the faces again. But this time, oh. you're just going to be asked if the person's name is correct. So It'll just say, is this so-and-so. Okay. And you just all you have to do is press the yes or no button. Is this all yes?
2: Yes. Oh, does it say, does it say what
1: I, how I scored? You know, at the beginning you said this is hard, but you actually were doing very well. Dr.
2: Angela Troyer is the chief of psychology at Baycrest.
1: What's the theory behind
2: um, having this test that anyone can do online?
5: Well, the idea is that having something that people can do from the privacy of their own homes would um, entice people, I think, to maybe think about this type of thing a little bit earlier, that before you might be willing to go to your doctor to say, I have a concern about my memory or I'm wondering about my memory, you might be willing to do something that only you would know the the answer to online.
2: Some people think it's wonderful, and some people, including some doctors, other Mm -hmm. kinds of doctors, Mm -hmm. think it's like, why would anybody want to do
5: that? Mm -hmm. Why would they want to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I think that a lot of people just want to know more about themselves. I think today there's people want to um, know how they're doing. Um, As people grow older, it's really normal to have concerns about your memory, or not even if you're concerned, but just want to learn more about your own memory, where your strengths and weaknesses are. And I think that's why people do it. They're curious. They, They want to learn more.
2: We see these online tests all the time from magazines and stuff. What makes this sort of more dependable clinically?
5: This one, we are being very thorough with the scientific validity of it, so we're doing lots of research to make sure that the claims that we'll be making with it are, are valid claims. And one of the unique things about our task is that we're trying to make a very educational component to it so that people will learn not only whether or not they're doing well or maybe doing a little bit less than well, but they'll also be able to learn lots of things that they could do to help their memory, to help their brain health.
2: I just did the shapes and I did the faces. Right. So how would I learn how I could improve that?
5: Well, so at the end, you'll get, a, you'll get a rating at the end to say either things are fine, you've got nothing to worry about, or you might have been told that maybe you should uh, consider making an appointment with your doctor to talk about your memory, get, get a more thorough assessment. So you learn that about yourself personally, but then you would also learn information um, in general about types of things that promote cognitive health. So you uh, would learn some things about lifestyle, things about diet and exercise, keeping your brain active. You would learn some very specific strategies about things that you can do to help you remember things better.
2: How much of an effort is it for somebody to go through this?
5: From beginning to end, it should take about 20 minutes. It's still in development, so it may be a little bit longer, or a little bit shorter than that. But the goal so far, when we've had people trying it, um, it takes about 20 minutes from beginning to end. So it's not a big commitment.
2: Describe some of the kinds of tests or questions and, and how you came up with those.
5: Sure. The, there are... Um, several different areas of cognition that we're interested in and they are the areas of cognition that are most likely to change as people grow older. So it's memory but lots of different types of memory there are attention types of things so simple attention but also what we call complex attention where you're really shifting your attention back and forth between different areas so those are three um, areas of cognition that as people grow older they, they normally do tend to change slightly with age so they're most relevant to an aging population and what would test that well, we test that. So the, the face name test that you took was a, was a memory test. It's called an associative memory test because you're associating two pieces of information together, the name with the face. It's a little more tricky than just learning uh, a name on its own or a face on its own. It's that it, associating information together that's really becomes more challenging with age. So that was the face name test. The task where you were going between numbers of letters, that's what we call an executive attention test because you're paying attention. But in a complex way, your your, your attention has to be able to fluctuate back and forth between different things that you're paying attention to. All we're doing is letting people know whether from a cognitive point of view things look like they're about where they should be or whether they they may not quite be there and whether it's questionable and that they should seek for the consultation to to follow up.
2: And is the bottom line of all of this to try to get dementia and Alzheimer's diagnosed earlier because most people wait? quite a long time?
5: That's a larger goal, but even before dementia or Alzheimer's disease occurs, there are are intermediate stages where people have mild cognitive impairments that aren't quite dementia, but they are sort of the early warning signs of that. And what we want to do is catch people at that point in time so that they can benefit from any intervention. They can get um, supports in place when they need it.
2: We'll let you know when the test is ready for the public sometime this year. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review on the new AM740.
6: Women love to be sexy, and I think, you know, it's easier to be sexy in front of another woman because it's more like
2: playing between girls, you know. Ellen von Unworth is a model-turned-photographer who explores sensuality, sexuality, and femininity. Her work is currently on display at the Izzy Gallery in Yorkville, and I spoke to her when she was in town for the launch party. We'll hear that next.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better.
2: French First Lady Carla Bruni, Victoria Beckham, and supermodel Claudia Schiffer are just a few of the famous faces on display at Yorkville's Izzy Gallery. The photos are part of renowned German photographer Ellen von Unworth's first Toronto exhibition. The statuesque, 58-year-old former model specializes in portraying erotic, playful femininity. And her 1989 shot of Claudia Schiffer made them both famous. The exhibit is called Caught, and I chatted with her at the opening.
6: It's called Caught. Why? Because uh, all the moments, I kind of caught moments, you know, like they're caught in an action or caught like you know, like a little bit like a paparazzi shot. So I thought that was like the
2: all had uh,
6: in common.
2: You know, the photo of Claudia Schiffer is very famous,
6: made her a star. Yeah, they did. I discovered Claudia um, in Paris. I shot her and I thought, she's cute. But when I looked at the pictures, I saw the sem- resemblance with Brigitte Bardot. And uh, then I kind of pushed the hair and makeup in that way and... I photographed her for guests and it was like a big success. I mean, it was so surprising for everybody. You know, you never know what touches people and what doesn't. So it was success for her and for me and for everybody. It was great.
2: One of the, the photographs are very sexy, but you're a woman shooting other
6: women. Yeah, but women love to be sexy. And I think, you know, it's easier to be sexy in front of another woman because it's more like playing between girls, you know? It's not like trying to turn on a man. It's just more like playful, and uh, so it's you know it's kind of fun. So, who is the most fabulous older woman that you've
2: photographed?
6: I I photographed Sophia Loren. She was amazing, you know. She's like still oozing with sensuality and beauty.
2: What do you think about uh, women aging and the way? that's perceived in our society. I mean, you look amazing.
6: Thank you, thank you. Well, I don't know, I think uh, it's like a kind of a weird shift towards women freaking out about the age and doing so much plastic surgery, and I think that's a little bit of a pity because sometimes it looks really weird. And it takes out the life and people look alike, so I think that's kind of sad that women don't like, you know, of course aging is not the most fun, but, you know, I think, it's okay, you
2: I should get on with it. Do you think that there's um, a better view of older women as still being sexy? Do you think that's happening, or do you well, think definitely? I mean, today the 50 is a new 30.
6: <laughs> no, but it's true, you know. Like even like when you look at Claudia, I just shot with her the new guest yeah, campaign. She's like 40 something. I mean, she looks so hot. You know, before a woman with 40 was like, you know, an older woman. But I think that really shifted. I mean, a woman with 60 can be still sexy. You know, there's a new term of cougar, which I think it's really funny. And it's true. I think it really shifted. I I think women, like, uh, before they used to, after a certain age, used to dress in beige and, like, frumpy clothes. Now they wear high heels and they wear the glitter leggings. And, you know, I think that's cool. Thank you. Great to meet Thank
2: you. you. Ellen's racy and intriguing photos are on display at the Izzy Gallery in Yorkville until May 31st. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Next week, we'll talk to acclaimed author, John Irving, about his new book, In One Person.